We were asked a question on Sunday. Are you the one or should we look for another? Everyone say, I'm the one. Put that in your comments right now. Put, I'm the one. I'm the one. Don't let nobody tell you different. You are the one. Don't let somebody's opinion tell you different. Don't let your mistake tell you different. Don't let your failing tell you different. Don't let your sickness tell you different. Don't let your family tell you different. You are the one. Somebody say, I am the one. I am the one. It's easy to fit into the crowd, but when you're the one, it demands responsibility, doesn't it? Amen. It demands responsibility. You have to take responsibility for what that means. It's easy to come to church and sit in the crowd, but when you're the one, you have to set the atmosphere. Somebody say, I'm the one. Amen. Amen. Psalm 65, we're going we're gonna to read one verse out of Psalm 50, 65 in verse 11. Verse 11. You crown the year with your goodness. You crown the year with your goodness. And your paths drip with abundance. I like that. And your paths drip with abundance. Now flip over to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, we'll read in verse 5. We'll read in ver- start reading in verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. And here we go. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits. Somebody say first fruits. Of all your increase. Why? So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Tonight we're going to talk on the subject, one is always first. One is always first. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you this evening. We feel you in this room. God, I'm going to ask that you go to work tonight. You help me teach this word as you gave it to me. God, we know that the principles found in your word produce power they produce life they produce progress and production and so God tonight as we walk through this dialogue I pray that somebody's mind would be enlightened God that strongholds would be broken down in people's thinking and that God you would release in them the abundance that you have for them that you would release that the paths of 2021 for everybody Equest Church and Inquest Nation would drip with your abundance. God, we love you. We put you first in everything. We ask you to have your way tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Put that in your comments if you're watching online. One is always first. One is always first. With every new year, um, the beginning of every year, it brings us to a point or a time of reflection and resolution, right? Um, we reflect on the previous year, the good, the bad. We decide, we ask ourselves the questions, what am I taking into this year? What am I leaving in last year? And we set these goals for ourselves. We call them resolutions for the new year. Some of it's weight loss. I'm going to read more. Uh, I'm going to 
get a better job. I'm believing the Lord for a better job. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit bad habits. I'm going to cut off toxic relationships. I'm going to invest more into the valued relationships that I have. I'm going to save more money. I'm going to give more money. Uh, I'm going to get a new home or I'm believing for a new home or a new car. We set these resolutions and we do this in an effort to motivate ourselves to uh, move on into a more purposeful and productive path of progress for the year that we're stepping into, right? We set this out and we set our expectations real high because it's a fresh start. Even in our verse in, in Psalm 65, it says, God, you, God says, or the, the psalmist says, you crown the year. It literally means at the, at the fresh start. The year literally means he reset your time or your season. And at that reset, God crowns it or he surrounds it with his goodness, right? And we know that. We're faith-filled believers. We're spirit-filled believers. We receive the word on a weekly basis. And so we have lots of faith. And so when we do the reset and we take inventory and we set these resolutions, we have a lot of expectation on ourselves that, you know what, we're going to do things better this year, right? We have a lot of optimism, a lot of pep in our step. We're real excited. And we step into these, these, this new year with our goals set really high. But the sad truth is this. Historically speaking, by the second week of January, most people have already faltered on their resolutions, and by February, they've given up on their resolutions entirely. They're like, forget this, right? And, and that's just a historical truth. I think statistics say that 8% of people actually stick with their resolutions through the end of the year. Isn't that wild? And the reason why that is is because uh, I'm going to talk about that. We, 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 we get into this place uh, uh, um, of setting expectations way too high. You know, because we're real optimistic. And more than the expectations being too high, I think we run into it a little too fast. We run into it a little too fast. Or we put more on us than we really should. Expectation produces hope or it builds hope, right? Unmet expectations produce disappointment. So expectation can build hope, but unmet expectations can produce disappointment. We know the proverb that says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it's the tree of life. The desire literally means when my expectations come to pass, it's a tree of life. But when hope is deferred or hope doesn't happen or there are unmet expectations, it makes me sick. It makes me sick. And so we walk into the new year hopeful. We walk into the new year and the reality is we see everything we want to do. We see everything we want to change. We see everything we want to accomplish, and so we set these expectations, and we do it all at once. We do it all at once, and so we try to dive into it all at once, and we want to see immediate change. So I'm going to start losing weight. I'm going to eat a salad today, and tomorrow I'm fitting that clothes I haven't fit in two years. And we all know that that's a lie from the pit of hell because I tried it yesterday, and it didn't work. But we want to see immediate change. We want to see immediate progress. We start working out. We're already flexing in the mirror. Yeah. 2020 is mine. No pain, no gain. You know what I mean? We go into and we want to see immediate progress. So we set expectations that we don't meet. We don't meet them and we disappoint ourselves. 
And because of it, we're unable to take strides forward. Somebody say, one is always first. Somebody say, I'm the one. Here's the thing about disappointment. Disappoint yourself enough times, disappoint yourself enough times, and your expectation of self is that you will disappoint and that you are a disappointment. I'm going to say that again. Disappoint yourself enough times and you'll believe that you will disappoint and you are a disappointment. And as a result of that thinking, you won't take any, there's no try left. There's no try left. So what happens in this moment, whether it's at the beginning of the year or any time of the year, it doesn't matter. When people get to this place right here, when they've set expectations too high or they put too much of themselves on themselves, what happens is they, they, they exit the path that God had for them. His paths drip with goodness. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways. And he will direct your paths, right? But we get to this place and we exit the path that he has for us. And we merge onto a path that is not going to produce in our life. We merge onto a faulty path. For some, it's the path of depression. I'll never get it right. I'll never do it right. I'm a failure. They were right all along. I'm, I'm, in, I'm an idiot. I'm stupid. I'm inferior. I'm never going to get it. I mess up every time. So we, we jump on the path of depression. Or some people, they don't do that. Some, of them, some people are very confident in themselves, so they don't meet their expectations. And now they jump on the path of whatever. Ah, it's no big deal. It's not that big a deal. I don't really need to change that. I have enough clothes that fit me at this weight, so I'm good. <laughs> so we get on this path of whatever, right? And so we're walking down that path. Other people, other people start the fraudulent path where they manufacture their path. They start manufacturing their own path. And this is a superficial thing. This is where people abandon authenticity and they try to copy or imitate something else. In any case, in any case, and there's other paths, obviously, that you can jump onto. But in any case, any of these paths, whatever we choose, will ultimately eliminate progress and purpose in our life. It'll create a delay. It'll create a delay. The great thing about God is that no matter how many times we mess up, no matter how many times we fail, no matter how many times we fall short, we're never denied and we're never kicked out. That's not how God works, but we certainly have the power to delay the progress of our purpose. And it, my encouragement for you tonight is this, that I want you to get, come to an understanding that one is first, and I'm going to bring you to that in a moment. But the point is this, you cannot get to two unless you go through one first. You cannot get to two unless you go through one first. And the reality is this, when we set our expectations, when we set our goals, when we set our resolutions, the reality is those are probably realistic for us. Those are probably realistic expectations. Those are probably realistic goals. Why? Because we know ourselves. We know what we're capable of. We know what we need. We know what we desire. And so the issue is not the expectation. The issue is not the goal. The issue is not even the resolution that you make. The answer to this problem is pace and priority. Pace and priority. Because you cannot, it's an extremely simple yet imperative understanding. You cannot get to two unless you go through one first. That sounds real trite, right? 
But many times we walk away from elementary understandings or, listen to this, fundamental understandings. You cannot build unless you start with one. You cannot build unless you start with one. The sequence can't even continue unless you have one first. It's not a sequence without it. Amen? So one is always first. So we're going we're gonna to cover three points uh, tonight. Um, number one is the first understanding. The first understanding. So the first understanding we have to come to in relation to one is always first is this. God is first. I'm going to say it again. God is first. Well, no kidding, Pastor Josh. We always put God first. On my list of priorities, God is number one. I always come to church on Sunday. I always pray in the morning. Trust me, God is first. This seems simple and elementary, but the reality is, if you really look at people's life or you examine your own, you have to come to a realization that a lot of times he's not. He's one of. He's not the one. He's one of. And so the first understanding that we have to come to is that God is first. Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Honor the Lord. How do those start? Trust in the Lord. Honor the Lord. Honor, not respect. Honor, not respect. There's a, there's a distinction between the two. Honor, not respect. See, a lot of people respect God. I'm a Christian. They say this is a Christian nation, but the reality is it's not. Right? A lot of people respect God, but they don't honor him. There's a difference. There's a difference. What's the difference? Respect acknowledges a person's position. If a police officer walks in here in uniform, you're going to respect him. Why? Because of his uniform and his position. If you walk into a courtroom and there's a judge wearing a black gown sitting behind the bench, and they say, all rise, you're going to respect that. Why? Because that's his position. Honor comes when you recognize a person's worth or their value. There's a distinction there. Respect focuses on behavior or doing the appropriate thing in the appropriate atmospheres or the, around the, the right people. But honor comes from the heart. I honor Pastor Rick because I love him. Right? He's been a father in my life, so I honor him as a father. My dad, I honor him because he's my father and I love him. Right? But I have that because I was in relationship with them. Right? There's a distinction between respect and honor. You can't even get to honor unless you have a relationship. Because there has to be a value system there. There has to be a value system. Respect teaches manners and proper behavior. Honor teaches something much different. And appreciation. It's a value. Appreciation. He, she appreciates in your eyes. So there's a difference. Honor the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust and honor both are, are words that have to do with value. You know what a, a trust is, is when uh, is like an arrangement between one person and another person uh, with, with property and assets that goes to one person and then uh, it's held for a list of beneficiaries. So a trust holds the benefits for somebody. 
So where is your trust? Where is your trust? Where do you put your assets? Who carries your property? Who has your value system? Where are you putting that? So honor and trust are both uh, uh, words that have to do with value. And somehow we value what others think and what others say more than what God does. Somewhere along the way, we put more value on that. No, I don't. I know what God said. God said, I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who strengthens. You know what I mean? I, I'm, I, I, all things work together for the good of them that love God, and I love them, so all things are going to work for my good. But really, let me ask you a question. Are you listening to that, really? Or when the, when the tire breaks or, or, or blows out on the highway and you're stranded there in the middle of the rush hour, are you really trusting in the Lord there or, or, or is it something else? When, when, oh, or here's something a little deeper. That's trite. But what happens when a family member gets sick? Are we trusting there? Are we trusting in the Lord? Are we, whose report will we believe? Are we going to believe the report of the Lord or are we going to stand on all the negativity that's coming our way? Our, 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 uh, I, know, I love uh, the cliche, trust God, love people. Trust God, love people. Too many people put their trust in others, and those others let them down. And so now God has let them down. Right? It's at some point you got to say, no, 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 God is first. Like I said, it seems really trite, real, real fundamental, real easy. We're grown, mature Christians. Everybody watching, you know, I know all of you have one of the most sanctimonious relationships with the Lord. And you know that God is first. But you know what? The majority of the time, I'm guilty of this sometimes. We all are. God is first. God is first. Psalm 65, 11, our text. Listen to what, what the psalmist says. You crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance not my crown not my year not my goodness and not my path his path his goodness his crown his year god is first so my question is where's your faith at Who's your faith in? How, how are you set up in that standard? Here's a, here's a good question. Um, have you guys heard uh, this phrase? I'm going to get my priorities straight. Yeah. I'm going to get my priorities straight, right? We've, we've said that. Um, but the word priority came to be, uh, I believe, in the 1400s. You guys can look this up, make sure I'm telling you the truth. Fact check me on this. I know Facebook would. Um, priority came about in the 1400s, right? And when it came about, I'm going to read this. It, 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 it was a singular. It meant the very first or prior thing. And it stayed singular for 500 years. So a priority wasn't priorities. It was singular. I have a priority. And it stayed that way. For 500 years. And somehow, in the 1900s, we pluralized the term and started talking about priorities. And illogically, we reasoned that by changing the word, we could bend reality. If we can change this word, we'll bend reality and everything will change. And somehow, we'll now be able to have multiple first things. Multiple first things. 
He's the one. He's the one. God is first. So let me ask you a question. If I presented to you, and I'm pretty convincing sometimes, that two should go before one when we're counting, and five is a really cool number, so I want it to go after nine. It should go after nine, and we'll rearrange things. Would y'all buy that? That sounds ridiculous, right? That sounds absurd. The example is absurd in itself, right? Everybody would agree with that. You know why? Because it's an order. It's a sequence. It's a principle. It's set. So no matter what, every time you say one, two follows. And every time you say two, three follows. You don't know why? Because one is always first. One is always first. One, so if we rearrange the order or we rearrange the sequence, you know what happens? Mathematics goes out the window. Science goes out the window. Value systems go out the window. Science, did I already say that, science? Science, we'll say it again. There's a lot of things in science. Science goes out the window. Basically, all the fundamental truths about many things in our life go out the window simply because we decided we wanted to switch things around a little bit. And that's the problem with most of, most of us. We negotiate with God on where he belongs in our life based on circumstance, time, where I'm at, what I'm doing, who I'm with, what I'm saying, what I'm trying to jump on the bandwagon with. I'm going to rearrange where he goes because he's part of my priorities. But I have a lot of first things. And the reality is we got to move past that. God is first. If I did, you know, and, and, and you know, this is, this is uh, tedious, but that's what's wrong with where we're at as a country. Because we like to negotiate principles and then hope everything works out. And at this point, systems are all chaotic and confused, and people are deranged, and who knows what's going to happen, right? Because, but where does the answer come in? When God's people say, I'm not following that, God is my priority, I have none other, God is first. God is first. So when it comes to one is always first, that's what, the first thing we got to, the first understanding. The first understanding is God is first. God is first. So let me ask you a question. Is God first or are you allowing something else to take priority? That could be you. That could be you. God says his ways are not our ways. I think this is important so I won't pass over it. God says his ways are not our ways, right? And his thoughts are not our thoughts, right? So, um, even as the heavens are higher, right, than the earth, so are his ways and thoughts higher than ours. What that, the picture there is this. Nobody in this room, nobody watching, nobody anywhere has an understanding or could describe to us the workings or systems of heaven. Nobody can. We can kind of talk about some of the workings and happenings on earth, but in all reality, there's so much about earth we don't know. Right? There's so much about yourself we don't know. Our inner workings of our body, so on. And his thoughts are higher than that. 
So why do we get so freaked out when we end up on a path and all kind of craziness is happening and we know God is in control of everything? I think we lose it sometimes when we should never lose it. And what happens is we start competing with God. And we don't let him have control. What do you mean? I would never compete with God. We make our own path because we feel like our ways and our thoughts or our ideas or our solutions or our answers or our ways are going to work better because we're not trusting and honoring. So who is first? Is God first in your life or is somebody competing with it? That's first understanding we have to come to. Okay? Number two. Number two. Understanding first. So there's the first understanding, and then there's understanding first. Okay? Then there's understanding first. So first is being number one in a series, earliest in time, foremost in importance or rank, or fundamental. We used that word earlier. Fundamental means a basic essential or something It's affecting the foundation of something. First is what everything else is built on. First is what everything is built upon. Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with what? The first fruits of all your increase. What are first fruits? First fruits are the best part or the choice part or the first crop or the firstborn. That's what first fruits are. Here's a principle for you. You can write this down and take it home. The first fruits set the pattern or establish the destiny of everything that's left. First fruits set the pattern for everything that's left. Another way to say that is the first affects everything that follows it. The first affects everything that follows it. First matters to God. Okay? First fruits matter to God. Why? Because God is an, a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. So there's an order to what he does. In Genesis chapter 1, there was the first day. And he established the most important thing on the first day, which was light. First John tells us that he was the light of the world. So he established Jesus first. Interesting, right? That's a message for another day. But first fruits and first matters to God. In, execu- in Ezekiel 44 and Exodus 22, you'll go and read that the first fruits belong to God. In Exodus 23 and Exodus 34, you'll see that you bring the first fruits to the house of God. In Leviticus chapter 2, you'll read that you offer the first fruits to the Lord. Leviticus 23, bring the first fruits to the priest. Numbers 28, there was a set time. It was the first month and the 10th day. Go figure, really? That's Sunday. Isn't that wild? But there's a set time for the first fruits. Romans chapter 8, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 15, Christ is the first fruit sacrifice for us. The principle, or, or, or let's go to Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2 says this, Israel was holiness unto the Lord, and Israel was the first fruits of his increase. Of whose increase? God's. All that devoured Israel shall offend, and evil shall come upon them, says the Lord. So what's the principle? Whoever devoured or consumed or withheld the first fruits, God cursed them. It's the Egyptians going after the Israelites. God cursed them because they touched God's first fruits. Israelites were never the chosen because they were the only. They were the chosen because that's who the, the first fruits that God wanted to set the pattern after. 
That's why they always found themselves in bondage. The Israelites did because God had the intention that his goodness and his message would be spread throughout the earth. And what happened is time after time, the Israelites would try to hold it to themselves. They're not Jews. They're not the people of God. We are. And we have to be careful with that. Especially right now. We cannot be trying to hoard God to ourselves. Like I'm the priority here. We can't do that. We are the first fruits of God. And we are not to devour it or eat it ourselves. It is, uh, it is something that sets the pattern for what follows. So who we are, how we are, what we are makes a difference down the line. Everybody with me? The next principle there is whatever is offered as first fruits establishes the protecting hand of God for everything that follows. So when you put first or first fruits, if you, when you give it to God because it belongs to him, number one, he's going to bless the pattern of everything that follows. And number two, he, his hand of protection is going to be on it. This is why tithe is so important. This is why having a tithing relationship with the Lord is so important. What is tithe? It's the first 10% of all of your increase. And we return that to the Lord. Why? Because we're in covenant with him. Jesus said where your treasure is, that's where your heart is it's a sign to him of uh, he doesn't need your 10 percent. he doesn't need your 10 percent. you need to be in covenant with the lord because watch this if you are he said he would open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing and like pastor rick said one blessing you'll need many windows for one blessing that's why tithe is so important so we have that first understanding. The first understanding we have to come to is that God is first, right? And then the understanding of first is that first belongs to God. So it's our responsibility to return to him the first. And that's what we're doing this month. The month of January is the first month. So we're giving it to the Lord. And we're saying we're going to spend 21 days of this month fasting and praying. We're going to, as a family, and we want everybody to do this, and I'll talk about it in just a little bit, but we want everybody to bring a first fruits offering to the Lord. I'm going to do it. I'm going to bring a week. Pastor Rick's going to bring his whole first month salary to the Lord. Some people can do a day. Some people can do a paycheck. But we're going to do that together. But, but the first fruits belong to the Lord, and that's what the Israelites did or the people of God did in the past. They would bring the first to the Lord. So we have the... The, the first understanding and then the understanding of first. Now, here's this. Here's where we'll close. There's the fruit of first. Somebody say the fruit of first. You crown the year with your goodness and you drip, your paths drip with abundance. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase and your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. The goodness here that's spoken of is God's benefits, his happiness, his prosperity, his gladness, his kindness, his joy. His favor, that's literally what the Hebrew word means. That's a lot. His benefits, his happiness, his prosperity, his gladness, his kindness, his joy, his favor. Plenty. Your barns will be filled with plenty. It literally means enough or more than enough. Everything you need, it's one's fill. When you honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase, when you put God first, he always makes sure you have more than enough. 
well, you don't know what I've been through, and I tithe all the time, and I've gone through seasons of lack, but really, did you really go through seasons of lack, or did you have enough? And did it, when you look back and you say, you know what, I'm glad I went through that, actually, now that I think about it, I, I have, my whole life is a testimony of thank God I went through that. In the moment, it wasn't that. The path didn't make no sense at that time. But now that I'm here and I look back, thank God I went through that. Your barns will be filled with plenty. Is this about money? No, it's not. Why? Why am I, but why am I talking about offerings? Is it about money? No. But why am I talking about offerings? Because we trust in the Lord. And we honor the Lord. And the reality is, value for all of us isn't cattle and grain. It's our money. And, and Jesus is right. Where your heart is, where your treasure is, that is where your heart is. Pastor Norris, who was a pastor at Place for Life, used to say this all the time, and I loved it when he said it. And I, I, at first I didn't understand it because I was a teenager, but the more he said it, the more I really got it. You show me your checkbook, I'll tell you exactly where your heart book heart is you show me your bank statement i'll tell you exactly where your heart is i'll show you exactly your barns will be filled with plenty we have many benefits of the lord go home and read psalm 103 it's one of my favorite psalms bless the lord O my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name right praise the lord O my soul and forget not his benefits Go read the whole psalm. It's so powerful. Who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with love and compassion. Isn't that awesome? These are the benefits we get for blessing, blessing the Lord. Does he need our blessing? No. We need to bless him. We need to bless him. And look, our paths drip with abundance, with abundance. In the Hebrew, it literally means to be prosperous, but listen to this, to increase or the increase of the anointing. The King James says your paths drip with fatness. That's where they got the anointing oil from, the fat. Your paths drip with the anointing. Your vats will overflow with new wine. New wine always represents the Holy Spirit. What, are, what is a vat? A vat is a wine press. Or the grape experiences pressure even to the point that it's crushed. So that what's in it can become what it's supposed to be. And so our paths, acknowledge the Lord in all your ways and he will direct your paths. Or he will make your path his path. And sometimes his path comes with a lot of adversity. And a lot of pressure. And a lot of trouble. And a lot of tribulation. And in the midst of it, we, we're complaining, God, why are we going through this? Why is this nation in an upheaval? Why is everything going crazy? You know what? God might be right up in the midst of it. Your adversity, your struggle, your trial could be the assignment of purpose on your life. How's that? Well, Jesus' assignment was the cross. That's maybe the hardest mountain ever climbed. The biggest trouble and tribulation one ever faced. 
Whatever you're facing could be the assignment of purpose on your life. Why? Because God's paths drip with the anointing and the Holy Spirit. And when we walk that path, we have no choice but to begin to drip ourselves. And we are soaked down in the anointing. Before you know it, abundance is a part of your life. Abundance in this detail, where it's wealth, it's health and wholeness, nothing missing, nothing broken. I'm content in my role. I'm not competing with God to control my life. I'm trusting in Him and I'm honoring Him.